Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. There's new music from Beirut the project of Zach Condon and Friends. So today, you'll hear Gallipoli, the title track from the next Beirut record, and a conversation with Zach Condon on how this song, which was hatched in Italy, how it came to be. Zach is living now these days in Berlin. We start the conversation by playing a bit of the new song as he gives us some insights into what we're hearing. So this is a Farfisa organ that was in the the studio in Italy. Um, And it has this rhythm repeater, which in a sense is, uh, you can set it on a mode, you know, it'll say like bossa nova or something Mm -hmm. like that. And whatever chords you you play that you choose, it it just spits them back out at you on this preset rhythm. But then we tied the whole thing through a a space echo and blew it out of a couple amplifiers. (laughs) And now? And now you're hearing my, uh, my brass fanfare. I was trying to play it as uh, sloppily and loudly as I could. On what instrument? <laughs> uh, there were a few going on, but the, there's a lead more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, that's about six or seven trumpet tracks on top of each other that I played. <laughs> Let's listen a little. What is that opening line that you sing? Uh, you know, it, it just says, we tell tales to be known. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say... I'm not sure what I was trying to say with the lyrics here. I, I, I feel like I wrote them in resignation to something, and I don't remember what it was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps it was the act of writing lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Which cannot be easy ever. Right. No, and if if you know me at all, you know that I uh, I hate writing lyrics, and I tend to hate lyrics in general. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this song took shape in in Italy, no? Yeah. I mean, this song was written after my visit to the city of Gallipoli. Um, But the lyrics were written in Berlin uh, after I came back from Italy, so they would have been a couple months apart. And by then, you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking about the city, for example. I think I was, if I remember correctly, this is one of the first songs I put vocals on because we recorded everything instrumentally in Italy uh, from demos I had written in Berlin. And then when I got home, in my own studio, I started singing over them. And, and, and when I, you I say actually, home, where's home? And at this point, I'm, uh, I've yeah. lost you. I don't know where you live anymore. Where are you, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> I am currently in Berlin. I've been here for the last uh, year and a half. And you're calling that home? Yeah. Okay. 
So you'd have to find a recording studio in Germany. Did you try to do that? And because I'm trying to like, can, like I think of Germany as such a hub mm-hmm. for music, music studios, producers, and so mm-hmm. forth. But then you wind up in this little town in Italy. So help me get mm. from one place to the other. Maybe that'll help make some sense of it all. What I do have in Berlin is this one-room studio that I'm renting, uh, and it's really nice, and I have a lot of equipment there. None of it mine. I kind of walked into it, and it was like a a keyboard kind of graveyard or something uh, <laughs> that the owners of the studio just basically told me, hey, if, it, if you can turn it on and it works, you can use it. And uh, this is where I was just writing material on my own, which is usually what I do before I involve uh, the other members of the band, for example. And so what happened is Paul Collins, who plays bass and other instruments, was on this honeymoon in Rome, and he was getting involved with some of the scene there, and he met some people, and he kept hearing about this studio in Puglia, like this small, rural... It's, it's in the boot heel... And we saw some video of it, actually. I think we saw Erland Oy playing there, because he lives in Palermo now. And uh, we saw this studio, and it looked nice. What was it that you saw? Was it a beaut- like a stone castle? Was it a... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when you say nice. No, the funny thing is it's, um, it's a giant building that was built very recently. I guess Stefano, the owner, Stefano Manca, his family had a plot on a vineyard there and then he built this gigantic studio on top of it and the funny thing about the studio is it reminds me of my elementary school in santa fe <laughs> it's, not, it's not a beautiful building from the outside so, so not a stone castle yeah keep going <laughs> no not a stone castle nothing so romantic but it had this huge open recording room which i thought would make for an exciting live sound it's like very organic and i looked I essentially looked at the um, you know, equipment lists and I, I got to see that there were a lot of nice kind of old uh, tube amps and lots of organs, which I'm fascinated in and uh, fascinated with. Maybe I'm losing my English now. <laughs> <laughs> it looks to be the right amount of equipped, not fussy. It seems uh, laid back as well. I'm going to guess less expensive, too. And so, yeah, also less expensive. And also, I felt like in Berlin, even though there is plenty of studio space and stuff like that, I felt like we could concentrate more if we were actually kind of living in the studio, so to speak, which mm-hmm. is what the case was there, because there would be nowhere else to stay. So who'd you invite? Paul and Nick. Paul, the bass player. Nick Petrie is the drummer. And I've known them all the way since uh, Santa Fe, where I met both of them, like, I think, what, 12 or 13 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And then I brought the producer, Gabe Wax, who was from the last record. We worked with him. And I brought my demos. I brought all the material that I'd been writing on my own. When you say you brought your demos, would you bring uh, some recordings that you'd sit in a room together and listen to? Describe what that process is. Yeah, essentially that was it. The way I tend to work is I just tend to... Th- hang a microphone in my studio and start playing until something catches and then I get excited and I start adding melodies and vocal melodies and percussion ideas because I'm really not a great drummer I tend to leave that to Nick but I tend to lay down the the baseline ideas for example and then yeah we get we get into a proper studio and we get someone who actually cares where the microphone is in relation to the instrument versus me. And I play the song for them and I show them the parts and then we, uh, 
we develop it more, you know, we, we give it more detail and, uh, and we really choose the orchestration and that, that sort of thing. And then, I don't know, and then, I don't know, 12, 13 hours disappear. <laughs> Magically. Magically, and you may or may not have something. Right. So you mentioned yeah. right at the top of this, that first thing we hear is the Farfisa organ. Was the Farfisa part of the original concept of the song? Well, here's the funny thing is I'm, I'm sitting here explaining this process that nine, uh, the way that, you know, 90% of the record was written, but this song is a complete outlier. Okay. This song existed in no form at all until the day I started sitting down at that keyboard in the studio in Italy. I love that. Keep going. <laughs> it was one of those instruments where I, I turned it on. It had an interesting sound. Me and Gabe were messing with putting it through a space echo, like I mentioned. The repeated delays aren't quite on time, and you get this kind of jerky motion and, you know, kind of crunchy and buzzy. And as soon as we got the sound, I, I, my hands started gravitating towards a couple chords that I, I realized were just full of potential, essentially. And so I sat and I played that organ part uh, just over and over and over again. And then I ran into the, you know, into the main room to hear how it sounded, pulled out the trumpet, and it just, the whole day disappeared. But the entire song was written in one day, hmm. percussion and all, just from scratch, top to bottom, just <laughs> like that. Yeah, I don't know, it was very strange.
Was there anything about Italy and so forth that helped inspire the song? Because when something comes together like that kind of magic, here uh, here is my feeling about that stuff. There's, there's generally uh, something that in life or in thought or something that's in you that comes out. And so was there anything that happened when you're like about and in this town, in this studio that might have helped color the, and help you paint the picture of this song? I think so. It's funny that you say that because back in the day I didn't believe that there were any real world connections to how songs came out. <laughs> I just thought that was too obvious and it can't be that simple. <laughs> I always thought the best songs came when you completely took your own mind and imagery out of the picture mm -hmm. and just became more of a vessel for what was happening in front of you. I don't think we're saying but, different things, though. I think that what you just said is sure. true, and what I just said is true, and I think both things can happen simultaneous, but keep going. True. Yeah, your environment can give you some input, and as long as you don't try to force it, it That's might right. come out naturally in, yep. a, in, in an interesting way. Yep. This was written the day after. we, During breaks in the recording sessions, we would take drives with the owner of the studio out to the coast. Uh, I remember we were driving back up. I was seeing signs for a city called Gallipoli. We showed up in the city, and, and we get out of the car, and we just decide to go for a walk, and in that moment, we happen to hit a procession and this is common in small towns in Italy it's it's like the the local saints you know every city will have its own will be paraded through the city streets from one church to another oh um, at a certain time of year and we had no idea it was happening and we just very serendipitously happened to walk in at the exact moment as the saint was leaving the church carried by a bunch of priests while behind them was this frenetic kind of brass band you're in heaven and the city itself is <laughs> i was in heaven yeah, yes yeah. this is exactly where i want to be you know <laughs> this is better than any concert for me that's essentially <laughs> what i'm seeking out <laughs> and the city is is these just claustrophobic streets winding there's you would have to live there your whole life to know where you're going and we're just following this procession and the whole town is there and it's we're in this medieval city it's on an island off the coast with only one kind of bridge connecting it to the mainland and we just got lost with it for for an entire night and i wandered out of there and i was you know deep in thought and processing it and all these things and all i know is that you know sure enough the next day i'm sitting at an organ and this this kind of these rhythms and these melodies are coming out and like I said before, I, I'm almost cynical of the idea that it could be that straightforward, that you're inspired by something and it just comes out in a song. But then again, perhaps it actually does. I don't know. Yeah, I've always been a believer that atmosphere and what's around you and what's in the back of your head and so forth shapes in some way, yeah. shape, shape or form, shapes uh, the music you make as much as if you didn't eat very much that day and you're in a bad mood shapes the song that you might write, you know. So you're, it's a top part of True. Who, who we and you are. Was the music, yeah. I just want to know, but was, it, was it melodic music? Was it, I mean, do you? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was bouncing off the walls and simultaneously every church bell in town was ringing, yeah. which just made for utter chaos. I actually have a recording of it because I ended up just walking around recording it on my iPhone half the time. <laughs> it's simultaneously disorienting and very trance-like. And you're in a crowd, and you can't move left or right, and you definitely can't turn around. So you're forced to just follow the whole trail, so to speak. 
you go in the studio, you make this thing, the band plays it. There's no words to this song at this point. You're, you're recording a full album's worth of stuff. Did you even have an idea mm-hmm. of a title, or did you just wind up n- naming it Gallipoli later because that's where it all happened? I named it Gallipoli that night. I mean, if it isn't obvious yet, I have a kind of silly fascination with city names. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like it, it probably comes from me being super young and reading too many Tin Tin books and watching Indiana Jones and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's good enough reason. Um, but it's funny, though, because with this record, it's these are things that I actually became quite self-conscious about later in my career, just saying, oh, I was really wearing my heart on my sleeve and my kind of innocence, too. And on this record, I decided to just embrace it. <laughs> Whatever comes first, first idea, best idea sort of thing. But it's true. There were no lyrics. I, I had written the vocal melody along with uh, the music. So what, what you would have heard if you had been there at the end of the night was uh, me singing gibberish with the same melody that you hear on the final version, mm-hmm. but with no lyrics yet. And, uh, and those didn't happen until I took it back to Berlin and had the chance to sit down and focus on my own vocal parts. You mentioned how different this was in the way this song came together. Lyrically, though, mm-hmm. did... Was that true of all of the songs on the record that you took back home, or did you have lyrics to those other pieces of music that you brought to Italy? You know, I, I told myself I was going to sing in the studio. I don't like to, but I told myself I would. Why don't you like to? And I don't like an audience uh-huh. at all. Yeah. Uh, even if it's just a producer or a good friend who I trust, I still feel very strange. It cracks me up when I hear that stuff. I'm sorry, because, I mean, the only places I've actually seen you besides at my desk singing in front of people was on a stage singing yeah. in front of people. And I just, I, I, I think people who don't play music find it really hard to understand how a phrase like that can come out of a, a performer's mouth. But I do. There, There's something that when you're up on stage, and you tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth or not or, or expand on mm-hmm. it. But, but when you are performing on stage, it's so different you can actually be in your own world when you're on stage if you want to be different than when if you were in a room full of friends and you started to sing am i getting that right you absolutely are i mean the truth is and many performers will also tell you this and it's very true for me is that sometimes it's easier to perform for six to ten thousand people than it is for you know 15 or less um we see this all the time at tiny desk concerts where the most well-known performers come in and they're nervous as all hell because they're performing with someone like eight feet away and there's only 30 of us or 50 of us and well it rattled me to my core i I (laughs) I was was terrified (laughs) i am i am not i've never been a natural performer and i'm not afraid to admit it I, i just never was i my music and the the entire creation process was always meant to be done behind closed doors and in privacy Mm. and to get out on stage has always been a struggle for me and i try to just hold on for dear life and sing as best (laughs) as i can (laughs) my my comfort zone where i'm happiest where i get the most everything out of music is often in the studio and it's not that i don't like performing and hearing an audience reaction that sort of thing and sometimes it feels really good but the place I belong the most is, is, you know, like in that studio in Puglio, where I, I have the ideas and they're coming out quickly and I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. 
I think some of that, in, in a, as a musician too, uh, that I find is that I love the magic process, the process where something unfolds that you didn't expect, which is different than when you go out on yeah. stage to perform them because you, for the most part, like 80, 70, 80%, <laughs> you know what you're doing and you know what's going to happen. And yeah, your guitar player may play a different line, but it's, for the most part, you're executing something as opposed to conjuring something. And I, I find them really different too. And I love the creative part. Yeah, I get the most uh, ecstasy from the, uh, you know, it's even these days I finish the record, but I still go to the studio every day anyway. And I just try to write one melody and it's only for me. I, I, I literally will bounce down a chord progression and a melody and I will put my headphones on and I will listen to it on the train going from the studio back home. And <laughs> that makes my entire day feel complete. So That's awesome. Well, I'm happy as a listener yeah. that you do share some of your stuff because I love what you do and and i know even doing something like this where you have to talk about this magic process i know that right. that process is just like oh man do i really have to talk about this stuff can't i just do it <laughs> right <laughs> that is a it is an odd moment uh, like i mentioned earlier this this album is is coming out soon but it's it's been finished for a while and so i've had this long period of just adjusting to it on my own terms and now to talk about it is actually kind of a funny experience zach condon speaking to us from berlin the next album from beirut is called gallipoli and it's out february 1st on 4ad records i'm bob boylan for npr music it's all songs considered thanks for listening to and supporting npr podcasts to view the entire NPR podcast catalog, visit npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.